This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Deep South Dining is the show all about the culture of Southern flavor. From fried chicken and collard greens to shrimp and grits and a glass of sweet tea. Subscribe now to the podcast using any podcast app or download our MPB Public Media app. From MPB Think Radio, this is Money Talks. Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Nancy Lodridge-Anderson, president of New Perspectives, and Ryder Taff, portfolio manager at New Perspectives. They're both chartered financial analysts. Ryder holds the Certificate in Investment Performance Measurement from the CFA Institute. We have one of our longtime guests on the show today. It's Sean Mercer from the Social Security Administration. He'll take your Social Security questions, and our expert hosts are here to take any personal finance questions you have today. Contact us by email. The address, it's money at mpbonline.org. So good morning, Nancy. Before we jump into financial news in the news, a quick question. Uh, Ryder and I sort of have a running joke about my uh, savings account that uh, it was not doing very well, and Ryder made a remark about it. And since then, it has gone up and gone up and gone up. It's now at 1.75% interest. that is great. My question is, how does a company decide – an interest rate like that, how much to pay people who are have their money uh, in the in the account? It's because they really like you, Kevin, and <laughs> yeah, it's, it's yeah, because right. they've heard me. It's because yeah. they've heard me talking bad about them. You know, <laughs> that's probably it. Not quite. It's all about trying to remain competitive. So for banks, they need to gather assets. They need to get people to deposit their money in their bank. They're going to buy that money from you for an interest rate, and they're going to turn around and sell it to borrowers for a higher rate than that. Mm-hmm. So as rates go up, there's more room, a bigger spread between what they pay you and what they charge for that money. Now, what we saw first off was when the rates started to go up, the banks were a little slow on raising those rates for money markets and savings accounts. It's because they were already, you know, they have plenty of cash and they didn't have as many people asking to borrow. So as that has gotten squeezed a little bit, then we've started to see those shorter term rates go up. And that's good news for those savings account holders. Yes. I, I, it, and I like to say, it's just kind of funny because it was, it was sort of just an offhanded comment that Ryder made. But then ever since then, I keep getting these messages that saying, hey, good news. It's going up. It's going up. So. I try to ridicule well, it harder and harder every time. And it's and it's working. Right. <laughs> yeah. The most important thing you need to do, and most people don't do this, is pay attention. Mm-hmm. And um, we have people all the time who come in with a lot of money in a checking account. And when you ask them, are you earning anything on it? They have no clue. Even their savings accounts, they're usually shocked when they look up that number. So you are right to pay attention to that. And and like we've talked before, banks need money, need cash from depositors for all sorts of reasons, and they need different types of cash. They need the the, the standard savings accounts, the checking accounts. They need they need CDs that people can redeem or can't redeem, and so that's you know, kind of the reason why they have those priced at different things. If so, if a bank needs money that's going to be locked up for a longer time, they might go for the CDs, the CD accounts, or the brokered CDs, and they might offer a more attractive rate there and a less attractive rate on their checking account. And uh, for a while, banks, like Nancy said, they've had too much cash and 
more than they needed for and they need money for regulatory purposes and for just how attractive the the loan environment is and so that's one of that's that's how those decisions get made all right so nancy what's on your mind financially speaking this morning i'm thinking about goldilocks okay. you know we all know that story of goldilocks and the three bears and um, testing out the beds and the chairs and finally the porridge looking for something that's not too hot, not too cold, but just right. And so we've been hearing the phrase Goldilocks scenario in the financial business lately and in the financial news. And the Federal Reserve is hoping for a Goldilocks scenario, whereas they kind of land the economy into that sweet spot that's just right, not too hot with inflation, not too cold with a recession. It's a really hard thing to do. But we are getting some signs that things are settling in nicely. We had a nice jobs report last week, 315,000 jobs created. We are seeing a, a really high participation rate among those main labor participants. Um, we are seeing some slowdown in pricing. Uh, shipping prices are down. Certainly everybody sees the decline in prices at the pump. But we are hearing layoffs in certain areas. Uh, autos, housing, some layoffs there. But at the same time, we still have 1.9 job openings for every one person that is unemployed. So we're waiting to see if Goldilocks wins out. All right. Uh, Ryder, what uh, what about you? What's caught your eye this week? Yeah, so similarly, I was looking at the labor force participation rate because you hear a lot, and I was just talking to, to a shop owner the other day, and he said, oh, well, you know, nobody wants to work anymore. And I was like, I don't know. Is that true? I, I don't know many people who don't have a job. Maybe it's not the best job. Maybe they want a different job. But uh, we have a low unemployment rate, and so I was looking, and for prime age folks, 25 to 54-year-olds in the labor force, almost 83% of them are in the labor force. That means either they are working a job or they are looking for actively looking for a job. If they're actively looking for a job, they're counting the unemployed uh, side of things. So they're working. It's that they're working at a higher rate than they were through most of the 2010s. So it's you're going to be hard pressed to find someone in that 25 to 54 year old range who is who who who's available for you. Uh, what has changed is that the over 55 crowd, so obviously including a lot of retired folks, they've finally stepped back a little bit. Some of that's going to be voluntarily. Some of that's not voluntarily. So I don't want to just say, oh, everyone's having a great retirement. Some people over 55 may be struggling to find work here. A big issue after the great financial crisis, we've talked about this a lot, was folks were pushing back retirement. They, they lost a lot of money in 08, 09. They just felt they had to work longer. That left fewer job openings for younger workers, which just ties in with so many shows we have going on here, uh, led to increasing college enrollment and student debt. It's all tied together. Um, so there's still about 38.6% still in workforce, which is lower than it has been for a while and certainly lower than it was before 2020. Um, there's a lot of demographic things that go into that, including just the size of a generational cohort. So one of the questions that kind of leads in for Sean, if he might want to address this at some point, is with the slightly sustained lower um, labor force participation rate for older folks, has the Social Security Administration seen an uptick in those retirement applications? 
Very good. And our guest is uh, Sean Mercer. Uh, He is uh, from the Social Security Administration, always gracious enough to come on the air and talk to us. And he really knows his stuff. Uh, Things get busy on the phone line. So if you have a Social Security related question, you can send an email to money at mpbonline.org. So Sean, good morning. Thanks for joining us. Any thoughts on what uh, Ryder was mentioning there? Uh, Glad to be here this morning. Hello to everyone. And uh, so we're kind of like the banks in that Nancy mentioned a while ago, things kind of lag behind with what we see. And so as of right now, we don't see a lot of uptick in retirement and or disability, but that's subject to change. And we're always busy at Social Security with people filing for (laughs) retirement survivors and disability. But sometimes look back through history, some things are busier than others. But right now is not one of those times when we're just slammed. Uh, people are taking care, uh, taking advantage of our things out there. And then as we get towards the end of the year, you know, always the first part of the year when people make financial decisions for some reason, you know, a lot of people like that uh, January retirement date. So uh, we look for things to kind of increase as we move closer to the first of the year, as they do all the time. So, uh, Sean, when you come on, we always like to remind folks about Social Security's web address. It's ssa.gov. What are some of the things that uh, Mississippians can accomplish on that website? Tons of information there. Just want to reiterate, like we always do for our listeners, that it is socialsecurity.gov, and that's any uh, federal agency that you're wanting to go to. Make sure you go to the .gov address and not .net, .com, whatever the case may be. SSA.gov is our address. And when you get on there, there's tons of information. It's really a pretty good website easy to navigate around on. Creating a My Social Security account is probably one of the top things on our list to do. That's for people who are receiving benefits or for those of us like myself who don't receive benefits. I have an account. I go in. I get my Social Security statement reminder once a year. I can look and see what I've worked and paid in. For those listeners out there who are already receiving benefits, they can uh, change addresses, print out a 1099, change direct deposit. Uh, For people like myself, I could also uh, request a replacement Social Security card through my my Social Security account. So that's probably one of our top uh, sites to visit within our site. Uh, The other thing is just tons of information about retirement, disability, Medicare. We have a great search engine on there in the top of the page. You can just go in and type in a few words, and it can give you a lot of information about what's going on uh, there. And so really a pretty neat website. People would just take the time to look at it. You don't need to know everything that's on there, but just as Nancy said a while ago, just people aren't familiar with their finances. And if they just look at their Social Security uh, information on that website, they would be uh, way ahead in kind of just having a general idea about their benefits, be it for retirement or if they had questions about disability. Sean, we got some calls lining up, so it's going to be a busy day, as it always is when you come on the show with us. If you have a question for our experts, send an email to money at mpbonline.org. We're taking your Social Security questions. There's all kinds of information from ssa.gov. At the top of the webpage is, what should I do if I get a call claiming there's a problem with my Social Security number or account? We'll have more on that next. You're listening to Money Talks. Our website, moneytalks.mpbonline.org, is one way to hear past Money Talks broadcasts. You can also download the MPB Public Media app and listen on your iPhone or Android phone to all the local MPB Think Radio programs on demand. 
Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Nancy Lodridge-Anderson, president of New Perspectives and Ryder Taft, portfolio manager at New Perspectives. We're visiting today with our guest, Sean Mercer, district manager for Social Security. Got some calls to get to, but first, when you visit ssa.gov, at the top of the page is this. What should I do if I get a call claiming there's a problem with my Social Security number or account? So, Sean, what should someone do if they get that call? I guess the easiest thing, and we're going to answer this right quick, Kevin, is simply hang up. Mm-hmm. Do not respond. You know, there are scam calls out there, and if you'll look at that information on top of our uh, uh, webpage, it gives you a lot more details there. But we are not going to be uh, calling you, uh, asking you something like that. If we've got something, we can send you a letter in the mail. I even get those calls on my cell phone. Most probably it's generated from a foreign country, and people say, oh, no, it's got a, uh, uh, a Mississippi prefix, or even let's get closer to home, it's got a Jackson or a Gulfport uh, prefix on there. No, the call probably uh, was generated from out of the country, and they're going to get enough, talk smooth enough, they're really good at what they do, and if you start talking with them before you hang up, they're going to give you, you're going to have given them enough information to uh, access either your Social Security account or have enough information to create some other type of fraud. So I guess bottom line is just hang up, ignore that call. It's not Social Security. If we need you, we can mail you a letter and contact uh, one of your offices here locally. So bottom line, the Social Security Administration will not call you about your account. So great, Sean. Good always to remind folks about that. Got some calls to get to, so let's uh, kick off things by going to Delbert, who's called in from Jackson. Good morning, Delbert. You're on the air with us. Go ahead. Good morning. Uh, I got. I think I got it. I'm not sure where I got this question. I think, uh, I think maybe I got a questionnaire from Social Security wondering if I'm still alive. But there's a question on there about whether or not I had been out of the country in thir- longer than 30 days. And I was just wondering, what's that about? All right, it could be a questionnaire there because, because depending on what type of benefits you draw, if you're drawing SSI, which is a needs-based program, being out of the country may prevent you from receiving benefits because we only pay those benefits to people while they're living here. Uh, so that that's the first thing that comes to mind. Not having seen the questionnaire don't really know, but that's probably what we're looking at to see if an individual uh, is still due payment. If it's regular Social Security, uh, they might be looking. There are some countries where we could not send benefits to, so without seeing the letter, I'm not real sure, but uh, probably related to SSI, which is a needs-based program that we administer, and that would uh, prevent you from drawing money if you were not within the United States borders there. So good question, Delbert. Okay, that, that makes sense. I, I was just really curious. Um, they ain't got to worry about me being out of Mississippi for more than 30 days. <laughs> but uh, I was just wondering, is this, I wonder what it was all about. All right. Thank you, sir. Thanks, Delbert, for your call. Stay on the phone lines. Off to Madison we go. Mark has called in today. Good morning, Mark. It's your turn, and you're on the air. Go ahead. Uh, yes, sir. Appreciate the show and uh, the information. <laughs> question about replacement Social Security cards. Attempted to go online here sometime in the past and create a, one of those MySSA accounts and asked, it asked me some security questions and apparently answered them wrong and, and got locked out. Is there any other way that I can get a replacement card without having to take off work and, come and uh, go into a local Social Security office? Okay, sure. Good question, Mark. 
And, uh, yes, the first thing I may try to do is see if we can't unlock your account if you contact your local office. And uh, today's one of those busy days. We're probably uh, one of, Today is probably one of our busiest days of the year for phone uh, traffic, so it's probably going to be busy. But if it's something that could wait till later in the day or later in the week, contacting them to see if we could unlock you and help you get into your My SSA account, that may be the first step. The other things that we have, we have uh, recently added what we call MS Teams, and where we're able to uh, contact you via cell phone and set up, uh, I guess, for lack of a better term, a uh, face-to-face chat with you to see if we could help you that way and prevent you from having to uh, take off work and do that. There's also another option uh, that we would look at where you could actually complete the application online, but then that would still require you to uh, come into the office and show your proof of ID. There are some ways to uh, drop your uh, application along with proof of ID, maybe in a drop box at a local office, and uh, would prevent you from having to take off a full day of work. I think your best bet would be for us to see if we could unlock your MySSA account. If we can get you set up there, you can request that replacement Social Security card as long as there's no changes. You aren't changing your name. You aren't changing your date of birth and we could uh, help you get that. So I would try to do that first, and then let's look at uh, MS Teams uh, with your local office over the telephone if that my SSA account does not work for you. All right. Hey, I really appreciate that. Thank you. Thanks, Mark, for your call. We'll stay on the phone lines this time. We're going to go to Memphis. Daryl is on the line. Good morning, Daryl. Go ahead, please. Oh, good morning, Money Talks family. I have a question regarding uh, Social Security and retirement. Now, I'm currently taking Social Security benefits. How does that work with retirement? Are they one in the same? Okay. How old are you, Daryl? Uh, 68 years of age. Okay. All right. So, so yes. Yeah, so, you are receiving retirement benefits from us, even though you may have started uh, prior to full retirement age. Once you reached your full retirement age, you, on our records, became fully retired. So everything that we're paying you at your age is based on what you have worked and paid in. We're paying the maximum we can pay you. If you're receiving a retirement from other companies or organizations that you may have worked for, that's great. That's in addition to. But as far as your Social Security is concerned, because of your age and your situation on our records, you're receiving retirement and receiving the maximum benefit that we can pay you based on what you have worked and paid in through the years. Okay, now, if I completely stop working, will my benefits increase or will they stay the same? Having to work could, if you're still working, we check your uh, what you work and pay in each year because as you continue to work, you always pay FICA taxes. And we look to see if the year that you work, say, for instance, 2021, may replace one of the 35 years we used in your computation to determine your benefits. And you say, oh, yes, it would, because I made more working part-time in 2021 than I made working full-time back in the 80s. Well, it's not necessarily dollar for dollar because they use an indexing factor, and it gets kind of complicated. $10,000 in 1980 may have been the equivalent of $20,000 in 2021. So you can't just look at it numerically to determine what's the high 35 that we used. But we do check that. 
and it could cause your benefits to increase, but it's not a real big increase because as you continue to work, one of those years is only one thirty-fifth of the computation. So, you know, if it moves at four or five dollars a month, that's a big increase for a lot of people there. But if you completely stop work, it's not going to increase or decrease your Social Security necessarily. Because you're over full retirement age, you're able to work and draw your Social Security, so it's not going to impact you negatively in any way if you stop work. Okay, and one more thing. And I'm I'm sorry, thank you all for taking my call. Will I be penalized at this age, or is, is there a threshold of the money that I'm uh, that I'm able to earn while working. No, and sir. In your, in, in your case, you're over full retirement age, so you can continue to work whenever there's no penalty. You, uh, We don't count your income in any way, so there's no penalty for you to continue to work. Okay. Thank you all. Yes, sir. Thanks, Daryl, for the call. This is Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. Sean, here is an email. Uh, the, from Lightfoot, who says, used the VA for about 10 years, no VA hospital near me, wanted to get Part B on Medicare to get local care. Social Security will charge me almost 5000 per year just to get Part B because I was using the VA. Current rate for Part B is about 2000 a year. Why do they punish me for using the VA? Okay, good question and something we see every day, and we're, and this is a Medicare issue, it's kind of complicated. Everybody has to take Medicare at age 65 unless you are working and covered by a group employer health plan or if your spouse is working and has you covered by a group employer health plan. If you refuse that or do not take that, then whenever you do get ready to take it, then there's a penalty of 10% per year. So we see a lot of individuals think that, oh, I have the VA and I'm going to use that. Well, you still need to get Part B and pay for that even though you're using the VA because if you ever need, if you don't do it now and you get, let's say, age 70, you're five years past, you could get a 50% penalty that follows you till death on top of whatever your current Medicare premium is. So uh, we try to discourage people from doing that because unless you die suddenly, you're probably going to need Medicare. And, in fact, we usually make you sign a form, and we have that form because you're going to come back to us at some point, and we want to be able to show that to you because there is a penalty and there's only certain times of the year that you can sign up. So we see a lot of people get into some precarious situations with that. Uh, And we try to explain that that's great you can use the VA. You don't have to have Medicare. But if you do at at any point need Medicare, there are some some. rules and regulations about when and how you take Medicare and what the penalties or premiums would be. So this is a prime example of not taking it at 65 and then wanting to get it now and those penalties and would be assessed to those premiums based on the number of years. So that is done individually and you can only sign up in January, February, and March of each year for your Medicare then to become eligible with those increased premiums in July. So if someone were looking at now if this uh, individual needed to sign up, they would have to wait till January, February, or March, sign up any time in that 90-day period, and their Medicare would actually not be eligible till July of 2023. So uh, good question. 
This is Money Talks. We're visiting today with Sean Mercer, District Manager for the Social Security Administration. Send an email to money at mpbonline.org. We're learning about Social Security and taking your questions. How can you get help from Social Security? We'll tell you some of the ways next. Money Talks is MPB Think Radio's personal finance broadcast. Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Nancy Lotridge-Anderson, President of New Perspectives, and Ryder Taft, Portfolio Manager at New Perspectives. They're both chartered financial analysts. Ryder holds the Certificate in Investment Performance Measurement from the CFA Institute. Social Security's website, ssa.gov, is a great way to receive information. But, Sean, if uh, someone's not comfortable using the computer, can they call the Social Security Administration? Yes, they can, Kevin. That's a, a great question. Uh, you know, our national 1-800 number is 1-800-772-1213. And as we mentioned a while ago, that uh, probably one of the busiest phone days of the year for us because it's first of the month. Yesterday was a holiday, and so the phones are really ringing off the hook at all Social Security offices today. Uh, in addition to our 800 number, we have over 20 offices in Mississippi, and they can call their local office. If they can uh, don't know that number, they can look it up on the uh, on the web page there at SocialSecurity.gov. It's got an office locator there, and encourage people to call. Uh, so much, almost all of our information, uh, business can be conducted over the telephone, and uh, gas has gone down a little bit, but not that much, so it's still uh, a great distance and great cost for someone to drive to the office when it could be something that they could do over the phone, and today's a prime example of someone uh, showing up at our office here in the next hour or so, and they say, well, yes, I tried to call, but it was busy. Our phone switched on at 9 o'clock, and they've probably been at all offices in Mississippi been at max capacity for the uh, first 30 minutes, but if that individual would have waited, usually within a few hours, things kind of calm down, and uh, we kind of weed through some of those calls and get to people. So if you can just hold off giving us a call, we can probably help you and save you a trip from having to visit your local office. Just just a sort of a tangent question, John. Does uh, Social Security use that thing where if you call and you're in the, on, in the queue, you can leave your number and they'll call you back when it's your turn? We do, we do, but usually the calls uh, at most offices in Mississippi are not, uh, you know, very lengthy. You know, this morning, uh, you know, a five or ten minute wait may be a long time sometimes. Um, but if we would wait till later on in the day, we may have a one to two minute wait there. So, but yes, that is an option for some people. But I would suggest if it's not an emergency and not something that we have to deal with something immediately. If you could wait till after lunch or even tomorrow or Thursday, then uh, chances are we always, I like to tell people, middle of the day, middle of the month, middle of the week, <laughs> it's kind of a great time to call Social Security, and I realize everybody's schedule does not work like that. But, you know, early mornings are really a busy time. For us, and we do answer those phones till four o'clock uh, every afternoon. So sometimes between two and four is a great time for someone to give us a call. This is Money Talks on MPB Think Radio, visiting with Sean Mercer, District Manager for the Social Security Administration, and we've got another caller on the line. We say good morning to George in Jackson. Go ahead, George. You're on the air with us. Yes, uh, I'm sixty-six years old, and I wanted to know could I work and solve uh, social security. Uh, yes, George, that's a good question, and you are full retirement age, so like our first, our last caller from Memphis, uh, you are past your full retirement age, and so uh, 
you can uh, work and continue to draw your Social Security benefits without any penalty. So you're good to go. Okay. Well, uh, my wife uh, has worked in 30 years, uh, but she gets uh, get, uh, exercised, and they said that they were going to cut that off since she's 65. Uh, they wouldn't necessarily cut it off. What we may look at doing for an individual that is on SSI and not knowing your particular situation, but just the general outline of SSI, it is a needs-based program, and so we would look to see if there was any benefits she might be eligible for off your record as a spouse, and we would also consider your income for the household. So there's a couple of different things we need to look at, number one, because of her age, and number two, because of the household income. So. SSI is a little bit different in that it's a needs-based program that we administer, not what you're talking about with regular Social Security that's based on what you worked and paid in. So you and your wife are drawing two different types of benefits. Even though they're both administered by Social Security, they both kind of have different uh, rules and regulations. Okay. Thank you for the call. Thanks, George. Good to hear from you this morning. Uh, Staying on the phone lines, always a busy day with Sean Mercer. Uh, David's in Jackson, and David, your turn. You're on the air. Go ahead. Yeah, well, that was a, a Social Security Fairness Act of 2021. It was introduced to the Senate and Congress last year. I was just wondering what was the status of the act. Of, do you know? I do not have any information on that, David. I'll look and see while we're answering some other questions to see if there's anything. But coming right off the top. Uh, let me t- do a little bit of looking and see, and we'll try to address that on the air here to see if there's anything. But um, at this time, I don't have any information on that. Okay. It, was supposed, it was supposed to eliminate that uh, windfall penalty. Okay. All right. All right. I can address that in that, that I've been with the agency for 30 years, and that comes up each year. So uh, I guess I've kind of become kind of blind to the idea and what you're talking about is the windfall elimination, which for people have worked for maybe a state or a municipality that did not pay into Social Security, and their Social Security is offset. So as of right now, that that law has not been overturned. So we're still just like we were, and no changes in that. So sorry I was okay. not uh, on top of what you were asking there, but as I said, for 30 years, that's been introduced almost every year that I've been an employee with Social Security, and it okay. never gets any traction to be overturned. Okay, that's what I was at. All right. Thank you, sir. So, Sean, we've mentioned a couple of times the My Social Security account. Uh, if, uh, if someone doesn't have one and wants one, how do they get started in getting that account set up? Easiest to set up a My Social Security account is to visit socialsecurity.gov. Right in the middle of the page, bottom left-hand corner, is a tab to click that says My Social Security, and follow through with that. As uh, one of our first callers, I believe Mark, had mentioned, he had tried to set one of those up. And we do ask some personal uh, financial uh, questions where we go with uh, some major credit bureaus. It is one extra step in the uh, in the process where we want to make sure we know who we're dealing with on the other end of that computer. If you get those wrong or misanswer one of them, we're going to lock that account. We think uh, someone may be trying to hack into it. So that's when I was trying to explain to our earlier caller that we can work with you maybe over the phone to try to get that account unlocked with 
going through some other uh, questions to make sure that if it's Kevin on the other end of the line, we know exactly who we're dealing with there. So visit uh, that My Social Security tab, walk through. It does have some um, uh, text uh, verification codes, as with most accounts that we visit now. Uh, I have an account, and I usually don't visit my account till I get an email once a year that says it's been 12 months since I accessed my account, and I may want to uh, check my earnings statement, and I have to go in and uh, type in my PIN and password. They do have a PIN and password retrieval uh, situation set up for you to be able to get that in case you've lost those. But it is really a great uh, something to sign up for. And it doesn't matter if you're receiving benefits or you're not receiving benefits. It's good for all our listeners. Um, Sean, every year there is a cost of living adjustment added to Social Security, uh, which is a huge advantage. Uh, would you explain to our listeners how and when that is calculated? Okay, and boy, everybody is looking for the cost of living this year. And so yeah, absolutely. I, I, I keep referring to our website, but it is the best place for information. If you really want to know about the cost of living uh, that comes out each year, that usually comes out October, November, so we're coming up on that time. It tracks the consumer price index for goods for the previous year. It's not something the president does. It's not something the uh, Congress does. It's kind of on automatic pilot. Uh, and so, you know, if it's low or even if it's high, it's not something that anybody did per se. It's just the way they have it kind of figured in there. So that's going to come out. Our listeners are going to know about it the same day that we know about it here at Social Security. And we've been reading all this about what they expect it to be, and they've gotten pretty good at projecting how close it's going to be. But that will be the benefit for the next year's increase for Social Security. And then everybody always says, well, you know, what about Medicare? My Social Security goes up, and then my Medicare goes up and wipes it all out. Well, that comes out too, but it's usually after the cost of living increase comes out from for Social Security. So uh, for our listeners out there, be watching probably here in the next, you know, 45 days to uh, uh, two months, and let's see what it's going to be, and uh, that will be for the benefits for 2023. This is Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. We're visiting this hour with our guest and friend of the show, Sean Mercer, District Manager for the Social Security Administration. We're talking about Social Security with Sean Mercer. How can you stay up to date with Social Security information and tips? We'll have some suggestions for you next. We're pleased you found our show, Money Talks. Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Nancy Lotridge-Anderson, President of New Perspectives, and Ryder Taft, Portfolio Manager at New Perspectives. Here's a program reminder, Tuesdays at 10 a.m., listen live to In Legal Terms right here on MPB Think Radio. If you're the kind of person who likes to stay up to date with tidbits of information, you might consider following Social Security on social media. There are tweets about current events, protecting your identity, and reminders of what Social Security is all about. We're visiting today with District Manager for Social Security, Sean Mercer, one of our longtime guests and friends of the show. And again, Sean, just a a quick uh, thank you. You know, every time you come on the show, the information you give is so spot on that we really do appreciate you taking your time. And it's always busy, so we know it's something that uh, folks that are listening are, uh, are interested in as well. So let's go back to the phone lines. Don in Hattiesburg. Don, you're on the air with us. Go ahead. Hey, thank you for taking my call. I really appreciate it. Hey, I was listening to the program this morning. It really excited me about calling in. Um, I am a retired veteran, 
and uh, I got medically discharged, so I was able to draw uh, benefits from the VA and Social Security disability. So, and I'm 63 years old now. At what particular time will uh, everything change over? All right, good question, Don. So, uh, the moment you turn full retirement age and uh, you would, on our records that night, on your birthday, go from being disabled to being retired. And that depends on your uh, age and date of birth. You can look that up right. on our, uh, on our uh, look under retirement on our search engine at socialsecurity.gov and look up uh, the retirement chart there, and it will tell you what your full retirement age is. And it may be right. uh, a few months past your 66th uh, uh, birthday. But anyway, there's no change. You see no change in your benefits. Just on our records, we don't have to do right any that. more continuing disability reviews or anything like that because because of your age at that time, you would draw those benefits regardless of your medical condition. We aren't saying your medical condition has improved. We aren't saying anything like that. We're just right. being able to put your benefits over into another category, and we don't have to do any checkups or anything like that on you because at that point, because of your age, you're retired on our records. Roger that. All right. Oh, okay. So, and, 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 and one other question. Would I, at this particular point, uh, be able – well, no, don't worry about it. Thank you. Thank you for taking my All right. What is your uh, – Don, what is your what's your uh, date of birth? What's your year of birth? I'm sorry, your year uh, of birth. Eight, eight, seventeen, fifty-nine. Fifty-nine. So you're sixty-six and ten months. So you're a little bit past. Uh, so sixty-six and ten months past your birth date, then you will become retired on our records. And uh, the question that you were maybe hinting around there too is, what if I wanted to go back and do some work after that? Right. I think. And yes, that is on our records. You're retired. And so it doesn't matter what your earnings are, self-employed or W-2 earnings there, you're retired. It's just like the uh, few other callers we've had previously asking about working after their full retirement age. And so you're good to go if that were to be the case as well. Oh, okay, then. Oh, well, I'm, I'm going to ask this question then. So if, in, the, in, in between time, if I decided to get a part-time job, how would that work? You need to let us know and call us and say, hey, I've started a part-time job. I'm working over here uh, doing some fill-in for uh, ABC Company, and I'm working 25 hours a week, and I'm making $25 an hour. We need to record that and uh, uh, keep up with that. You'll need to turn in your pay stubs to us every month so that we can record that. For nine months, we don't look at anything. We don't care what your earnings are at all. At the end of nine right. months, then we look to see what those earnings are and see if that may affect your benefits based on the uh, amount of income that you have coming in. So call right. your local office if that is something that uh, gets closer to happening, and they can walk you through that and uh, explain what you would need to do. Where people get into trouble is not telling us, and then a year later we look back and all these earnings are on their record and we have no record of it. But for nine months, it's unlimited. We That's just a chance for you to see if you're able to, because a lot of people may go work for a month or two, things don't work out, right. and they, you know, it, it, it just didn't happen. So call your local office, and they'll be glad to discuss that with you.
Roger that. Thank you so much for taking my call. You guys have a great week. Thanks, Don. Good to hear from you this morning. Next, we'll go to Peru. Our favorite South American listener, Robbie's on the line. Good morning, Robbie. Good morning. Thank you for taking my call. I just have a quick question. <clears throat> when I created my account at SSA.gov, I was able to put in my Peruvian address and my Peruvian phone number. But when I need to access my account, I have to contact a friend in the States for her to receive the codes to finish signing into the account. Is there any way I can get my Peruvian phone number to where they'll send the text code to it? My fear is if she passes away, then I'm locked out of the account. Ooh, boy, you've got a you've got a complicated issue there, and I do not think the I do not know the answer to that. Uh, I do not think they're going to allow us to send any out of country uh, phone numbers at this time. Um, sorry about that. It's just one of the uh, mechanisms in place for us to be able to try to protect identity uh, theft. I realize I, that. that mm. Yeah, it's a tough situation for you there. Robbie, I mean, this is uh, maybe a little bit of a workaround, but I I know some people do use a Google Voice number for when they are overseas, and I know you can receive regular phone calls that way and have them routed to your phone or just have them preserved online. I believe you could probably also do that for text messages, uh, so that might be a possibility. So I I believe it's probably just voice.google.com. You can sign up, get a phone number and use that you might want to try that look into that but that is a good point because a lot of websites do use text message verification instead of email verification text messages may be a bit more secure uh, but there are a lot of two-step verification programs out there so uh, Sean if you if you have an opportunity to pitch this idea uh, this might be the promotion that that, that, they, that you've been looking for uh, but but better security options are out there and and the people do want them Yes. I was speaking with a lady at Social Security and asked her if she could set it up to send it to my email, and she said, no, we don't have that capability. Mm-hmm. It's a great option, but it's it's not great that it's limited to that option only, just because there's good two-factor authentication apps out there now that can handle that in a much more secure way. All right, uh, Robbie, thanks for your call. Always good to hear from you. Thanks for listening uh, down there in Peru. Uh, About wrapping up the show, just want to remind you of a couple of things. The national phone number for Social Security, if you need to get in touch with someone, is 1-800-772-1213. And Sean says you can search for the website to find a local office. And also, ssa.gov is the website. That will wrap us up for today. Money Talks is a production of MPB Think Radio, funded in part by generous financial support from listeners. To hear today's show or a previous show, you can visit moneytalks.mpbonline.org or listen to the podcast. Search for Money Talks. Today's show was produced by Liz Gill, and our call screener was Charles Arnold. For Dr. Nancy Lotcher-Janderson, Ryder Taft, and our guest Sean Mercer, I'm Kevin Farrell. Join us every Tuesday at 9 for Money Talks. It's heard only on MPB Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand.